have to go on vacation right away, but want to just give a praise report about camp. Amen. Awesome. Well, uh, I need, uh, before we get started, Becca, I know you're going to share. Josh, you going to share? Isaac, you going to come up? No. Chris? No? Come on. Gunner, I know you said you would. Come on, buddy. Little preacher man. And Nathan, you want to share something? Please. I, I, I'm not going to lie. When I was their age, there was no way you were dragging me up here. So uh, when they get up here, I am totally just humbled that they would get up here and share. So you guys sure? If you guys just change your mind as we get going, go ahead and come on up. I will cheer you on. You don't even have to look at them. You can close your eyes, stare at the back wall. Um, we'll hide you. Okay. So I know God did some incredible stuff this week. And um, I, I really hope you guys would maybe come up towards the end. So I'm going to turn it over to Josh real quick and then... Uh, uh, so this was my first time at camp. I mean, I wasn't know what to expect to get into it because it was my first time counseling too. And then as soon as I got there, it smelled real bad. <laughs> it was bad. And then I got to meet all the kids I was counseling with and then some of the other groups and seeing all the other churches that was there. There was about 400 plus kids there. And so it was a good turnout. And then I lost a tooth, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, that was a great interesting story. <laughs> But seeing all those young kids, like, um, praising the Lord and, like, giving their hearts up to it, it was an amazing feeling, like, watching them just give it up and having no self-service and, like, not with distractions. You can tell that they were all into it. So it was a cool experience for me. Can't wait for next year. Testing, testing, okay. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> well, well, first of all, I was kind of living like God wasn't there. I didn't know if he was there or not. And that, you know, is there a God? Isn't there a God? Well, that night, like, well, first of all, you know, Sean and Neil, I laid hands and prayed on me. And I fell and I landed on my face. And it it, I, it didn't hurt. It was awesome. Like, I mean, <laughs> and, um, like, um, well, like, there, I don't think there was a single person there that wasn't worshiping God. I thought it was awesome. And, well, well, the funny thing was is when the Holy Spirit hit me, Sean was holding me. So I'm laying at an angle like this. And I start speaking. And Sean was like, what's he saying? Is he saying I want to watch Spongebob? Spongebob? Oh, never mind. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. And, <laughs> and um, well, also, um, like, after service, I saw, uh, you know, everybody, there was, like, tons of people that were just on the floor belly laughing, and they, they couldn't get up. He was like, dude, don't get up. I've already tried it. It was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> and, and now, like, like, you know, when you're, when you're first going to church and you're afraid to worship God and you, you're just nervous, you're like, well, there's people around me looking. Well, God took me away from that. Now I can, like... Praise and worship without, you know, being nervous. So, awesome. Thanks, buddy. Little preacher, man. I was waiting for him to tell you guys to turn in your Bible. Who's going for it? Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Any of you other guys want to come up to get some more courage after? No. Nathan, you got the fire in your eyes. Awesome. Do you want me to make Becca go first, or do you want to go? Awesome. Well, it was pretty cool, because it was my first time going there also. 
and I didn't really know what to expect because I haven't been to this church too much, but it was really cool because at the last churches I've gone to, it didn't really feel, feel like I connected with the Holy Spirit too much, and at this youth group, it was really cool because I felt like everyone really knew God and they really wanted to help other people come to Christ also, so I felt like I got closer to God, and it was just really cool worshiping. Like Gunnar said, it was like you didn't care if you raised your hand to just like praise. You didn't care what you sounded like. You just wanted to worship God and knew that he loved you for who you are. And it was just really awesome. Becca has a short sermon for you. Amen. No, I'm kidding. She, it's going to be good. Don't worry about it. You want to use the podium, big girl? Hi. I wrote notes because <laughs> um, a lot happened this week. I was, okay, little backstory. I was really hesitant. I don't know why. I always go as a counselor, and I've been to camp. This was my seventh year, but I was, like, dreading going, which is unusual for me. But um, I went in kind of confused. I work in the medical field, and I just graduated medical assisting school. And God had opened that door for me. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> um but I'm like, okay, now I have this certificate. What am I going to do with it? And about, I think it was a little over a year ago, we had missionaries come here. And they were talking about their medical missions trip. And I was like, I kind of remembered that in a conversation with Corinda. And um, I just really felt that like, hey, that could be it, you know? And I was like, oh, that could be it. And so I was confused because I was like, I haven't gotten a job in this area. I haven't, you know, I'm not doing anything. I feel like I'm stagnant. And um, <laughs> Donnie preached a message. The counselors go up a night early and he preaches a message just to the counselors before any of the campers get there. And he was talking, it was the same Holy Spirit message that he preached on Wednesday about hearing your with your inner ear, not with your real ears, you know. <laughs> um, and I just felt like I didn't hear God anymore. And the analogy he used was there was, I guess there was this TV show and I've never seen it. It was before my time. But <laughs> this guy had sticks and he would spin plates on the sticks. You guys know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Oh, Ed Sullivan. Thank you. I'm like, I have no idea and I don't remember. <laughs> and um, we expect to hear God's voice. But then it's like, oh, text message, oh, Facebook, oh, my friend wants to hang out. And we're sitting here juggling all these things, and we're not listening to God. And when he spoke that, it hit me hard because it's like I'm so, I felt so consumed by social media. And uh, that's been a thing with me before. And that was really spoke to me. So I, it was nice to not have cell reception and not have any of that stuff because then I felt like I could really spend that time with God. And then we went to a missions workshop. Um, they have workshops, like six different ones, and you could choose. And YWAM, which is who puts the camp on, they had their own this year, and they've never done that before. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go to that and hear about that. And from the second I walked in, I felt God like, listen, this is for you. And I was like bawling, and I couldn't keep it together. And the girls were laughing at me because they were like, are you for real? He hasn't even said much, you know? But I just, 
I just felt God really like, you know, this is for you. I'm saying this to you. And um, I just had this, this fear over me about it because I'm just like, I'm a mommy's girl <laughs> and I don't ever want to like vacation, go on vacation because I don't want to be away from home and stuff. And then, <laughs> sorry, this is so long. Vanessa Shepard preached uh, the women of God and her message was called What the What? And basically what it was is feelings, it's okay to feel, but what you do with that feeling is the sin. And so the first what is, what am I feeling and why? And so I asked myself that and I said, I'm feeling fear because I don't know how I'm gonna get there and I'm unsure of if this is really God or if it's me wanting to go. And then the second what, so what the what, is what does the Bible say about it? And the Bible says that I've given you a spirit of a sound mind. And the Bible says, I know the plans that I've had for you, plans for you to prosper. If you're not prospering, it's not the plan of God. <laughs> if you're not prospering, it's not the plan of God. And so that really spoke to me. And then on the last night, they do like their commissioning. Um, and so Sean prayed over me, and I was like, oh, it's good, you know. And so then we're worshiping. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not like he didn't say anything. But I really wanted to hear. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not. No, there's more. But I just really wanted to hear God say this is it. And like I wanted to know that I know that I know that that's what I'm supposed to do. And so um, I'm worshiping like with all of our students. And I see Eli praying over a student in front of me. And I'm like, okay, God, Eli needs to tell me. And I was like very specific. He needs to tell me this, and then I'll know that it's you, and I'll do it, you know? And that was kind of weird for me. And so it's like five minutes. I'm worshiping, and I'm like, come on, God, like, do it, you know? And then Eli comes over, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, here we go. And so Eli starts praying over me, and he says exactly what I wanted God to tell me. Okay, and like, so I'm just like, bawling, blubbering, and all this stuff, and then Eli goes, yeah, I was kind of like, I don't know if I should go tell her this or not, and like, I don't know if this is for her and what she's going through type of a thing, but it was exactly what I needed to hear, and um, I was just thinking about how my faith was so, I was, I had an interview before I left for a job, and I was like, my faith is so strong, I'm really strong in my faith, I work in a youth group, and church is very important to me. But then when I like was at camp, I was like, here I am preaching about how strong my faith is. You know, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, mounds will move. And I'm like, my faith was diminished. I went to camp without any faith. You know, um, and in my notebook, I just read this before I come up. It says, faith is to believe what you do not see, and the reward of this faith is to see what you believe. And it just made me like, my faith was diminished, and just... <laughs> it so speaks to me because I was bragging about my faith, you know, and then I didn't have any. And just, the Bible doesn't say to stay, stay in your hometown, stay where you're at. It says to go and teach the nations. And uh, what the what, you know, what are you feeling and why? And what does the Bible say about it? Because I've given, God's given us a spirit of a sound mind, not of fear. Amen. Woo!
feel like I need to answer an altar call. Amen? Um, I just, I'm always blown away um, at camp. It's, uh, it's something special in my life, and um, I, just, I just wanted to share something real quick, just as pastor is going to come back and share this morning. But first off, as a youth pastor, um, I just want to say thank you for your generous support throughout the year. Um, without your faithfulness to tithe, just tithing alone provides a building where young people can, can encounter the presence of God, their lives can be touched, their lives can be marked for all of eternity. So number one, as a body, thank you for your continued support week in and week out um, to give. You know, it breaks my heart when people say, all the church wants is my money. And uh, I think you heard a couple of testimonies this morning. Um, we're not after your money. Amen. We're after souls and, and seeing lives changed. And um, as I sat and listened Wednesday night, um, after these kids got so touched by the power of God, Wednesday night is always Holy Spirit night. And uh, to hear numerous of them say, you know, I, I would come to church because it's what our family did, and, and I was questioning God. And for them to experience God for themselves, um, I can tell you that uh, a little over 20 years ago, that was the experience that marked my life. And uh, I remember standing there being filled with the Holy Spirit at the age of 15. And, uh, and I believe that's why I stand here today, because God marked me at a camp just like these kids went to. And um, secondly, your generosity when it comes to the luncheons and our fundraisers provide a way for many of these young people to experience camp that would not have been able to go. And uh, this year we were able to sponsor four kids to go to camp that would not have been able to go. And I will tell you that those four kids um, experience something that is priceless. And uh, as I close, maybe you turn your Bibles, if you have an electronic Bible like me, or maybe you have a solar Bible. Um, <laughs> First Samuel chapter 17. It only works when the lights are on. I just had to go there. Mine only works if it has batteries. The theme of our camp was, was facing giants, and, and I just really believe this could be for somebody, as Becca was sharing, and, and I know Pastor's going to tie into this, but man, this really hit me this week. First um, Samuel chapter 17, they talked about the life of David, and you know, when you say giants, you automatically think of who? Goliath, thank you. But just a thought that stuck with me, some of you have been asking the Lord, what's next for your life? Um, but I believe this, this story is a great illustration of um, how to find what's next. And First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 17 says, One day, Jesse told David, Hurry and take this sack of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread to your brothers at the army camp, and here are ten large chunks of cheese to take to their commanding officers. Find out how your brothers are doing and bring back something that shows they're all all right. And uh, this morning, if I could unlock one principle in your life, I believe some of you have been asking God what's next for your life. And the beautiful thing is, is as David went to just serve his father, be obedient to his father's command, he found himself faced with an opportunity to just be obedient and, and serve his father and bring back a report. But in the midst of all of that, there was an opportunity for him to go to the next level with God. And if I could say something to you this morning, David faithfully served his father tending sheep and delivering lunch, but he was never asked to kill the giant. Think about that. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that he was asked to kill the giant. 
But as he was serving and faithful to his father, to the house, and being obedient to God, the opportunity presented himself for promotion. See, through obedience, something rose within him to take the next step with victory in his eyes. There will never be a moment as we turn last scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 20. There will never be a moment God leads you into battle that he hasn't equipped you for. Many of us sit back and say, I'm never ready. I don't know enough scripture. I don't know my Bible well enough. And uh, I can honestly tell you with, with all my heart in the last 17 years of walking with the Lord, I've never had to quote a book of the Bible for somebody to let me pray for them. I've never had to recite scripture by memory for somebody to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. What are our excuses this morning? See, God will never send you into a moment that he hasn't equipped you for. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, and verse 1 through 4, as pastor wants to make his way back up. Moses said to Israel, If you go to war, you may find yourself facing an enemy army that is bigger than yours and that has horses and has chariots. But don't be afraid. The Lord your God rescued you from Egypt, and he will help you fight. Before you march into battle, a priest will go to the front of the army and say, Soldiers of Israel, listen to me. Today, when you go into battle, don't be afraid of the enemy. When you see them, don't panic. The Lord your God will fight alongside you and help you in the battle. This morning, I would like to subject to you that Jesus Christ is our high priest, and he is going before you today, tomorrow, and for all of eternity. It's time for you as giant slayers to rise in the earth today. I want to leave you with this thought. What giants are keeping you from your promotion in Christ? I thought it was so profound that Andrew, as we're praying for you, as, as the army goes forth, they know how to go into battle. But as soldiers of Christ, do we really understand that Jesus Christ is our high priest going before us and he'll never take you anywhere that God hasn't equipped you to walk? Thank you so much for your support and every one of these young people. Their lives were forever changed and uh, it wouldn't have been possible without a loving church like all of you and pastors that believe so much in young people. We love you guys. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And Gunnar, I'll see you later about beating on my trailer door. You didn't think I saw. Amen. No, it's all good. I love Gunnar. I'll love him more later. Amen. Everybody say this with me. This is my Bible. I never have to plug it in. It never interrupts me with a counterfeit voice. I don't have to charge it, it supercharges me. Amen. Hallelujah. No, we tease each other's good stuff. Open your Bible, whatever it is, to Luke chapter 15. Always come to church with a Bible. I could be making stuff up. Don't trust me. Just because we put it on the screen, make sure we didn't make that up. We could have put anything up there and put a chapter and verse underneath it. You need to make sure that what we're giving you is the Word of God. Somebody should say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning for this time together. We thank you that in these next few moments, Lord, you will do something in our lives. We've heard testimony today, Father, of your faithfulness to meet us when we set ourselves apart to meet with you. Father, we thank you for what you've done in the lives of young people, the impact 
that you've had upon their lives and the revealing of yourself to them in a personal way as their God and their Savior. We thank you, Father, today that by your Spirit you're going to walk through these aisles. You're going to speak to every life in this room. You're going to open and reveal truth to each and every heart that not a person will leave this building today without having been impacted from being in the presence of Almighty God. We thank you, Father, today that by your Spirit you are here to bring clarity of truth and understanding to our lives, to cause us to move a step closer to being conformed into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we thank you this morning and we give you praise and glory in his name everybody said amen, amen. Luke chapter 15 and beginning in verse 1 then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured saying this man receives sinners and eats with them so he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Verse 7, I say to you likewise that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Verse 8, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and seek diligently? until she finds it and when she has found it she calls her friends and neighbors together saying rejoice with me for I have found the peace which I lost likewise I say to you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents verse 11 then he said a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father give me the portion of goods that falls to me so he divided them to his life he divided to them his livelihood and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal or wasteful living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the, his fields to feed swine. And when he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? Verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard the music and dancing so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. 
And he said to him, Your brother has come, and, is, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Verse 28, But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friend. But as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Amen. This passage of Scripture is probably one of the most pivotal passages of Scripture for us to really understand the gospel and really what salvation is all about. Look at the cover of your outline if you would with me in this morning in just a few moments I want to lay an introduction and for the next couple weeks I would like to go through uh, this uh, parable or this line of teaching Jesus was being confronted by the Pharisees and, and the religious people that day <coughs> excuse me because he wasn't paying enough attention to them they thought they would be the important that if he was really religious he would want to hang around with the people that really knew God Sometimes that's the way we think in church, that if God really loved us, he'll just come and keep showing up with us. We know God. We love God. God, come be with us. Come be with us. Come be with us. And we have to guard our hearts against having a pharisaical spirit and attitude towards God. Amen. Because the heart of God is to seek and to save the lost. Would you agree? That's the heart of God. And so Jesus is eating with these people, and uh, so he's giving them this reply. And it's very important that we break this down and see it. On the cover of your outline, if you'll follow with me, almost everyone has experienced the feeling of being lost while on a journey to some degree. We may have been the person driving the car or leading the hike or the walk through an unknown or unfamiliar location. Anybody been there besides me? You realize I'm on this journey, but I have no idea where I'm at. Amen. And if you're a guy, you never act like that. You just fake it until you make it. Praise the Lord. Your wife asks you, do you need directions? Absolutely not. I know exactly where I am. I just have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> the feeling of losing your direction can be eerie and frightening. All of us right now probably have something that belongs to us that we would like to find. Could I get an amen? You can think of several things. Man, I wish I knew where that was. And though it is lost to us, we may just be calling it misplaced. And even though we have searched in every nook and cranny trying to unmisplace it, the truth is it has no value to us. It has value to us, and we want to find it. Just like being lost, we have all either been or known the person who has lost their identity. We have seen or experienced all the symptoms and discouragement and despair that comes with the loss of one's identity. We live in a day when identity theft is a common occurrence and it leaves us unsettled on the inside. We all seek to, save, to have safeguards against becoming lost, losing things that are valuable to us, and protecting our identities. Even with all the assistance of modern technology and due diligence on our part, people still are getting lost, losing things, and losing their true identities. 
We can emphasize, excuse me, empathize with anyone going through these experiences. We have all rejoiced with those who have finally arrived at their destination, recovered their item that was lost, and found restoration to their true identity. This is the essence of the gospel, the restoration of all things lost. If you could summarize what Jesus is saying, even when you go through the part of, the, of these parables in dealing with the son, it ends with, this is your brother and my son who was lost and is found, who was dead and is alive. This is the sheep that was lost and is found. This is the coin that is lost and is found. So seeking and bringing restoration is the essence of the gospel, the restoration of all things to the rightful place. This is why we preach this as Jesus declared, and this is why he came. Go with me in your Bibles, if you would. You're right there close. Go to Luke chapter 19. Turn a couple pages to the right. In verse 1 it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed upon a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all murmured and said, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus answered and said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. How many know that was Jesus' primary mission? And I mean, and it's great that he spent time with his disciples. It is great that he hung out with them, that he encouraged them. He would be with the multitude, and then he'd come apart with his disciples. But immediately he would go back into the place where people were lost, seeking for them to be found. One woman came to him and said, hey, my daughter is grievously vexed and tormented. And he says, hey, I'm not sent to you. I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In Matthew chapter 10, when he called the apostles together and sent them out, he says, I give you power and authority, but go only unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so God is seeking that which belongs to him that is lost. Would you agree with me? And you are here today, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is because God was wanting the restoration of your value back into His life. You and I were created as His possession. We belong to God, and we were created for God, from God and for God. Somebody say amen. And so when we're not in His possession, He misses us. He wants our value restored to His life. The same way with the woman looking for the coin. It's not just enough to say, I have the coin, I just don't know where it is. God's not content with just knowing that you are alive. He wants you restored back into His possession. Your value is when you are in His hand. Amen. And so that's what Jesus came to do, came to seek and to restore. Go with me there. We're going to read all these this morning just to lay some foundation. Go with me to Matthew chapter 10, if you would. Excuse me, Matthew 18, excuse me. And beginning in verse 11, he says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. 
what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains and seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, I surely say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of the Father in heaven, who is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. How I many know God's heart is that nobody would perish? Peter wrote and said, God's not slack concerning his promises, but he's not willing that anybody should perish. And I'm just trying to tell you today that that should get down on the inside of us as well. If we are here today and we are born again, we should be asking God, God, let me have your heart. Let my heart beat in synchronization with your heart. If you are moved with compassion for the Lord, put that same compassion down in my heart. Heart. Quit letting me be so selfish and wanted you to always just spend time with me, spend time with me. I don't want to be the spoiled brat in the house of God that always needs attention. Could I get a good amen this morning? Praise the Lord. But understanding that our Father loves us. I think the saddest indictment, and we'll cover it a little bit later, but think about the older brother. If I can, I want to keep the older brother syndrome out of my life. Come on, saved and in the house of God, not even aware of what you have, and then resentful when anybody else gets blessed in the family. Amen. Praise the Lord. Instead of rejoicing, I want to be the one that rejoices at all times. So let me ask you, what does all this mean to each of us? Is all, is all this recorded just for us to make an external application to everyone else's life but ours? Hear me, Jesus always sought to reveal the heart of God and the condition of man. He is the greatest agent of the lost and found of lost and found the world and humanity has ever known. Yet even with his assistance, there is no hope for restoration until there is the acknowledgement of being lost. The goal, of restor the goal is restoration and rejoicing. You know what? I I'm not going to get any help. If I'm driving and I'm lost, and, and if I won't acknowledge that I'm lost, how many know I'm just going to stay lost? If I don't stop, I mean, there's been several times my wife has asked me, do we need to stop and ask for directions? Could I get some help? <laughs> has anybody ever been asked that question besides me? Come on. <laughs> do you need to stop and ask for directions? And our response was, no, no I got this. Three hours later, the question is asked again. Do we need to stop and ask for directions? No, I got this. In fact, I'm closer to having it than I was three hours ago. Amen. <laughs> so until we admit it, it's not going to change. We read in Luke, the first three verses of Luke there, this is the parable that Jesus spoke because of the response to the religious people of his day being upset with him for giving all of his attention to the ministry of lost and found. Welcoming and rejoicing them in their restoration. In this parable, Jesus breaks down three areas that apply to every person regardless of who they are. He explicitly defines what it means to be lost. He declares the heart of the Father in seeking restoration in every situation and the rejoicing that accompanies it. The three effects of being lost are this. First of all, with the sheep, we see the loss of direction. He loses his direction. 
We by nature are called to follow, not to lead. And when we lead ourselves and set our own direction for life, we end up lost and will never arrive at our desired or expected destination. There are a lot of people in life who, just like the man driving, refuse to admit their loss, but they think they're heading for an expected end. They think they're going to arrive at their chosen destination, but you are not. You are wandering around and around. Maybe you've been like that and walked around thinking, wait a minute, I've been here before. I've been around this block before, and surely I've made different turns, but I keep arriving back at this same place. That happens a lot in our life. We're trying to make changes, and we're trying to fix ourselves, and yet we find ourselves back at the same place, and we're too just too proud or whatever it is to stop and to ask for help. And the shepherd knows that because he comes to find it. He doesn't leave us to our own. He's not just allowing us to wander aimlessly. He comes to find us. And when he finds us, we're as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Amen. And then he brings direction back to our lives. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 95. Let me read a couple passages of Scripture to you. Psalms chapter 95, and then we'll look at Psalms 119. Psalm 95 and verse 7 says this, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Amen. And the Bible says that Jesus said that we, he is the good shepherd and we are a sheep and his sheep hear his voice and they follow. You and I, my friend, I wish I could tell you and, and, and in essence we are, we are called to leadership, we are asked to be examples, but we're supposed to be example. The leadership model for the body of Christ and for the church is leadership and following, not leadership and leading. And the church has got out of balance in some degree and, and in our mindset is that if the, if the world has anything that is true, that is working, they got it from the Word of God. The principles of the, of the Word of God is the truth that is working in the world outside of the church. In the world organization, any structure, any principles for success, anything that's out there are biblical principles of truth that are working. Just because something's working in the world, it doesn't mean that they came up with truth that's greater than the Word of God. They've just taken it and done something with it, and the church has been so spiritual, we think it happened, we had happened, things happened without having to do anything. And a hush came over the crowd. But in that, in this truth, that, that when it comes to being leaders, we are basically called to be followers. Paul said this. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? He said, I'm, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So follow me as I follow Christ. And so in leading, that's what we're called to do. We're to lead by following. So people can look at our example in following the Lord Jesus Christ and learn how to follow Him as well. And then they can lead somebody else in following the Lord Jesus Christ. The world says lead by leading where you lead and say, hey, look at me, follow me, be like me. Amen? It's a different way. So it's a different type of leading. Are you with me this morning? So what happens is we by nature follow, but we are the sheep of his pasture. We follow him. The 23rd Psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd. How many know shepherds lead, sheep follow? 
The Bible says that there's just a, a myriad of analogies and scriptures that show that. Go with me to Psalms 119. A few pages to the right, Psalms 119. Verse 176, the last verse in that chapter. 176 verses. I have gone astray like a lost sheep, it says. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your command. Listen to David's prayer. He took what Jesus said. He said, Lord, I'm lost. I'm a lost sheep. Seek your servant. Jesus said, which of you having sheep and loses one wouldn't go seek him? Amen? So it goes with his prayer. And I like what Peter said. One last scripture. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25 says, For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and bishop or overseer of your soul. Jesus is our shepherd and our bishop. And that's something that comes to us. We have to get to the place where we allow him to bring direction to our life. He is the shepherd, the bishop, the overseer of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. He is the director for our lives. We become lost when we begin setting our own direction. Amen. The second thing that he brings out is the loss of value. Our value is lost when we are, we are, our value is when we are in his hand. The coin cannot invest itself. Alone it has no true value. How many have ever lost some money? Misplaced some money. Let's make it easier. Misplaced. Your wallet, whatever. Whatever you had in there. You know? And you can go, well, I, I, I have such and such money. Okay, where is it? I don't know. Well, then you can't invest it or use it. So even though it's there and laying where it is, it has a value written on it, but it is of no value unless it's in your hand. Because it cannot have value or add value all by itself. And there's a great lie in, in, in the world today, you don't need to be in God's hand. You're valuable. And, and we're told how valuable we are. And it's good to have some self-esteem and to understand your value, but your value is in His hand, not alone by yourself. Well, I give you $100 and, and you put it on your dresser and just let it lay there. It's not going to add value to your hand unless you use it. The value is being in the hands of one who owns it and could use it to bring increase. Would you agree? So alone it has no true value, but it was made to bring increase. Praise the Lord. And I want you to think about that. In Matthew 10 and verse 31, Jesus says, Not a sparrow falls to the ground without the Father knowing it, and you are of more value to him than a sparrow. And so when the woman would sweep for a coin, God sweeps and looks for you and I. When you and I are out of His hand, He is diligently searching for us. Amen? Think about this. Thirdly, the loss of identity. Anytime we choose our own identity, we will always end up losing our direction and our value. How did the son go astray? He lost his identity of sonship. And once you lose your identity of sonship, you start to head in your own direction. Then once you head in your own direction, you lose your value and you find yourself broke and disgusted. 
Amen. And so identity is so important. Those three areas, direction, value, and identity. Hear me, the lost sheep needed the shepherd to come after him because he was without the ability to lead and direct his own life back to safety. The coin is searched for because of the sense of loss and the desire to restore value. The son, hear this this morning, the son needs the father to restore the identity that he could not give himself. The son left, he took it and he left, but he had to come back. The son has to restore identity. I mean, the father has to restore the identity of sonship. He can lose it, but he cannot restore it. Only the father can restore. And this morning, just as we lay this foundation, you cannot give direction to a person who will not admit they are lost. Could I get an amen? And you cannot assist someone in search for something they won't admit is lost. Do you know where that is? No, I just misplaced it. It's lost. No, no, it's not lost. I just don't know where it is. It's lost. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. No, 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 yes. Have you ever had that conversation with anybody? They, they refuse to admit it's lost. Do you want me to help you look? No, I know where it's at. Well, where is it? I don't know. I misplaced it. Are you crazy? No. I just lost my sanity. I don't know where I placed it. Amen. You can't help someone also who doesn't know or recognize that they have lost their identity. There are people who have taken the prodigal path and they've lost their identity. They've accepted a counterfeit identity from the world. You don't need to be a son. You need to have your own identity. And so they, they take upon them a self-prescribed identity. Try to tell them that's not who you are. I'll never forget uh, uh, Pastor Bishop Owens, a uh, friend of ours, Vern Owens. His son was leaving, going out. Got caught up in the music industry and going, just running, and left California, went to Chicago, and just running. He called him up one day and said, Son, you were created for better than this. This is not your identity. You were made for better. And you see people, all of us have known people, we've been that person that had the identity crisis. Hear me, the heart of God to forgive and to, is to forgive and to restore through repentance. Can I tell you that's a word lost in our churches today, repentance. Repentant. It says that Jesus said over one sinner that repents. Over one sinner that repent. When the prodigal son came back and then he illustrated repentance. Father, I'm not worthy. And when the father fell on him, he didn't stop with the embrace of love. He pushed it all the way through to repentance. And he finished and he said, because the father interrupted, he started to speak and then the father interrupted him. And when the father got done putting the robe on and the ring on and the shoes on, he said, wait a minute, dad. I'm not worthy. And so he carried it all the way through to repentance. Sometimes we don't receive full restoration because the moment we feel the embrace, we cut off repentance and we hold ourselves captive and we're trying to maintain because something inside us doesn't want to admit that I lost my identity somewhere I was right and we try to hold on to some self-validation instead of saying, wait a minute, I was wrong. I've completely lost my identity. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I am here only as a servant and I cannot restore myself to sonship. Only you can do that. Amen. Are you with me? So it's so important. 
So to forgive and to restore through repentance, this is the foundation of truth of this parable and the gospel as a whole. Bill, if you come back. He rejoices over us that are already saved, but he is searching for the lost. He is rejoicing over them and their restoration. His rejoicing over them and his restoration exceeds his joy for us. I'm telling you, the, some of the greatest services I've been in and some of the greatest things about camp, and when you go there with these kids, you see kids who come and, and they have no relationship with God and somewhere through the week, year after year, almost two decades of Pastor Sue and I have been going to youth camps like this and sitting there and we sit in the back and we watch these kids and somewhere there'll be a young person that's sitting there all week long through every service. And, we, and, when, and when the whole congregation of young people flood the altar and they're crying out to God there'll be a handful of kids still sitting there but then almost inevitably by the last night God breaks in I wish I could say it's 100% every kid but there's always a percentage of the holdouts that at the end God breaks through that hardness and you find them up there at the last moment and they're giving up to God and God's washing them and cleansing them and they're finding that restoration. And there is more joy at that moment over those that were holding out than, than over, I mean, thank God for the ones that gave it up on Monday night. Thank God for the ones that gave it up on Tuesday night. Thank God for the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night. But then by Thursday night, there were still some that were lost. And then when those come in, the rejoicing over the ones that are lost and are found. Thank God that He comes into our services and the Holy Spirit sits down in here and we can feel His presence and He rejoices over us and we know our sonship with Him and His blessing in our life. But God says, hey, there is a party that I want to have that exceeds anything that you have going on here. If you think you've seen my joy, just help me get some lost sheep back into the fold and watch the joy that will show up in the house when the lost are found and the lost are restored and the identity is replaced. Watch what happened. Watch what happened. Hallelujah. Watch what happened. In each of these illustra illustrate, in each case illustrated in this parable, the father's heart is clearly seen. He goes after the sheep, leaving the others behind until he finds the one and brings it home. He searches with diligence and desperation to find and restore the value of the coin. And he watches and he waits, longing to embrace and restore his son to his rightful place and true identity. And his heart is filled with love for the older son, but his joy is in the restoration of the son who was lost. So next week we're going to walk through this parable with the goal of finding ourselves and receiving the fullness of the Father's restoration in our life. But hear me, when we are fully restored, we will not only have our position and possessions restored, but our purpose as well. We will t have the Father's heart and we will become like Him, being driven to seek and to save the lost. People say, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. God's will for your life is to seek and to save the lost. Becca talks about going on a missionary journey. The only reason you would go on a missionary journey to any country or to downtown Diamond Springs to do any kind of outreach is that while you're reaching out, you would find someone who is lost. And you would bring them in. It's not just enough to go and do the work. The purpose of the work is to be able to tell somebody of the love of God. To find somebody who's lost their direction. To find somebody who has lost their value. And to find somebody who has lost their identity. And help them find restoration in God. Somebody say amen.
That's our goal. That's the heart of God. I, I just what, what's God's will? What's He want me to do? Go find somebody that's lost. Go find somebody that needs some direction. Go find somebody that needs value. Go find somebody that needs their identity restored. His will will never change. It has different meaning, different avenues, and different approaches, but it always comes back to this one place. To will have the Father's heart, will be like Him. The will of God for our lives will always be connected to the lost being found and restored through repentance. Our greatest joy and rejoicing in life will not be in our own salvation. It will be in the lost being found. If you would bow your heads with me this morning. I have a question for you this morning. How's your direction? How's your direction? Oh, preacher, I'm okay. I'm doing good. I'm moving. Just not sure where I'm going. I don't need help yet. Thanks for the offer. Thanks for the try. But, but I got it. I, I, I'll work it out. I'm fine. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How's your direction today, friend? How's your value? How's your identity? Have you opened your heart? Given your life to God? Have you repented? Do you know Him personally as your Savior? Have you received His forgiveness for your life? Do you know the Son came back and He was literally born again? The Father said, This is my Son who was lost, is found, who is dead, and who is alive again. Given new life, restored back life maybe today you're here and you would say I know I'm not right with God you had a relationship with God but for whatever reason you may have walked away from him you changed your direction you need to know that he has drawn you here brought you here today and he has never walked away from you in fact he's been searching diligently for you he wants to restore the relationship you had with him before you left. Maybe you're here today and for whatever reason you've just been out of fellowship and away from church and God's people. You've lost your direction, lost your sense of value, lost your identity as a son. And you feel God calling you back into your relationship with Him. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here today, and that's you in any one of these areas, somehow you're just directing your own life. And with that, it feels like values ebbing out of your life. You have no idea. You have question. Question upon question. Where do I go? Where do I invest? How, how do I spend my life? And you're trying to invest your own life. Chart your own course and invest your own life. To keep looking and searching for identity. Every new fad that comes up in the world, you're buying in. Some of the fads today, people are buying into because they have no identity to stand on their own. Knowing who they are in Christ. If you're being influenced and there's an identity issue, God is reaching to you to restore you right now. 
in any area. He's just wanting, like the Father. He's looking to run towards you. Waiting just to see you move. Take a step towards Him. God wants to put direction back in your life. Lead you back to safety. Restore His value. Renew your identity in Him. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you. If you need any one of those areas. You qualify. Just stand right where you're at today. Just stand. Just be bold enough. Don't be like the guy I don't need help. Don't ask for direction. Not me. I'm not lost. I haven't been placed in. Don't do that. Say yes. Yes. Today I'm ready. Today. 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 I'm here. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Stand right where you're at. Anybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. While you're standing, just move out quickly. Come find a place right up here to pray. Come on, the Son, move towards the Father. I guarantee you, while you're taking a step, God's moving and running towards you by His Spirit. Just find a place to kneel and pray. Come on, this is between you and God. God's pulling on you. He's pulling on you. He's calling you. He's searching for you. He's your shepherd. He sought you. He brought you here. He's the one that's given you the direction. He's the one that's about to restore your value. He's the one that's about to replace your identity with Him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Anybody else God pulling on your heart? Move right now. Don't wait. Don't walk out. Don't walk out. Say, God. God, I need your direction in my life. God, I, I just went out my own way. God, I, I haven't had any sense of value in my life. I keep looking and, at other people and I just, it isn't working. God, I need your value restored in my life.